Welcome to CX and Shul, the real raw customer experience podcast by Exo Studios, the creative arm of ExtendOps. Today's host, Stephanie Todd, is joined by world-famous mentalist Banachek. Listen in as they unravel the mystical ties between captivating audiences and customer experiences, the science behind illusions, mind-blowing tricks, and hanging out with Madonna. Enjoy. Hi, I'm Stephanie Todd, your host of CX and Chill. Today, we have something completely unique and special for you. We are here with Banachek. Good to be here. Yes, and you are going to see, one, how to maybe treat your customers differently by seeing things that you can maybe do from a very different perspective. That's maybe true. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe give us a little bit about your background. So let's, I guess let's explain who I am, yeah. right? I'm a mentalist. I have a show in Las Vegas at the Strat. It's, mm -hmm. uh, six, it's six nights a week, uh, darker on Tuesdays. And what is a mentalist, you might ask? A lot of people will mistake it with a psychic, but it's not. Basically, a psychic says they can actually really read minds. Mm -hmm. A mentalist says he's taken his five known senses to create the illusion of a sixth sense. In other words, he uses verbal communication, nonverbal communication, magic tricks, psychology, a mixture of all of these things uh, to make it appear that he has a sixth sense, that he can actually read minds. Hmm. Okay, so I'm a little afraid because I don't want you to read my mind because who knows what's in there. But also, <laughs> um, when I went to one of your shows and was blown away, you said you don't do tricks because hookers do tricks? Because <laughs> hookers and dogs do tricks, yes. Prostitutes do tricks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's, it's a bad job. So this is all demonstrations. I will, These are demonstrations. Yes. Yeah, they're demonstrations, <laughs> okay. yeah. Well, there's, there, um, they are tricks in a way, but they're, they're, here's the problem, right? And I always had this problem when I was trying to sell myself a lot of times, whether I'm trying to sell to a company for trade shows. Mm -hmm. um, the moment you mention the word magic or the word trick, they think of like, uh, you know, Uncle Bob who comes to the Christmas party mm -hmm. and they don't hold magic in a high regard. It's not until they've seen a really good magician like David Blaine, Chris Angel mm -hmm. or somebody like that, that then, now they go, oh, wow, this is what it could actually be. Mm -hmm. When I used to sell to trade shows um, and I was very successful in the trade show market, when I would try to set up a meeting, if I was doing a cold call, I'd say, hey, I can increase your booth flow and product awareness. All I need is five minutes of your time. Give me five minutes. I'll come to your office. And if you don't want me there after the five minutes, I promise you I will leave after five minutes. If I said to them, hey, I'm going to use magic in your trade show booth, you know, to create, yeah. create product awareness and, and booth flow, they wouldn't hire me. They wouldn't even give me the time for an interview. Mm -hmm. But I would always go in for that interview. And after five minutes, they would keep me there. Mm -hmm. Because I was able to talk about why I am better than, say, Oprah Winfrey or why I am better than a caricature artist, character artist sitting there with a line of people. Those people are not being sold to until afterwards, and sometimes they just walk away. Mm -hmm. Oprah Winfrey, if you have your, let's say you're working, uh, let's say you're spy entertainment, right? You're back in the corner at a trade show, and you have Oprah Winfrey there. Everybody's going to go there. They're not going to say, where is she? Uh, when mm -hmm. they say, where is she? They're not going to say spy entertainment. They're going to say she's back in the corner. They remember absolutely nothing mm -hmm. about your product, right? My job is during my performances during the trade show, was to get as much information as I could from the customer. I had sheets that went out, and I would learn about the customer. I would learn about the product. I would know as much as the salespeople would know. And then I would incorporate that into my performance. So every trick I did was basically talking about the company, not talking about me, but talking about the company. That's creating product awareness. And I was doing shows every 15 minutes. So I would have the floor full of people, 50 to 100 people on the floor, and I'm turning those people over to their salespeople. I'm waiting 10 minutes, and then I'm doing it again. A lot of magicians that worked on the trade show floor, they would just keep doing shows. And they would take breaks during very specific times. I didn't do that. because. I also knew that, let's say there was a, um, 
uh, I don't know, a politician coming and he was going to be lecturing at this big conference, right? Mm -hmm. This big convention. That time's going to be dead. If you're doing shows on the trade show floor, there is, there's no clients to go to turn over to your people. Sure. So I would keep doing my shows and I would take my breaks when the trade show floor was slow. So I always try to think of a different way than what other people are selling themselves. I did restaurant work. I had five restaurants I could work. I could walk in anytime I want to and I could just do it and the restaurant would pay me. And I approached it from a different way. Most of them would say, hey, I'm gonna increase customers coming in. That's not true, you're not gonna do that. You may do that to a little point, but not to the point to where they, it's gonna sustain itself. Mm -hmm. So I would say, look, you pay me. I won't take tips from your customers. But if the food is slow coming out, they will never know that that food has taken that amount of time to yeah. come out because I'm performing for them. And I wouldn't take tips because I'd want the waitresses to like me. So if I'm taking tips away from them, mm -hmm. they're not going to like me. I would only take tips if somebody was handing me a hundred or a fifty or something like that, right, mm -hmm. in the restaurant, and uh, because I know that they're going to be be able to afford to take care of the waitress. Anyway, I go off on tangents. I'm sorry. No, yeah. no, I think it's yeah. helpful because yeah. I think it illustrated how people should blend some magic or that unique perspective into their customer experiences because mm -hmm. it will wow them in ways that aren't the typical ways. The yeah, typical I, I, benchmarks. There are people who even today. I haven't done a trade show for probably about six, seven years now mm -hmm. because I'm in other markets, but there are people that still talk about that and there are clients that they still have as a result of my performances. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, even just going, right? So I went with a group last year and going to it, you're, you're wowed, you're blown away. But as a customer, you have these expectations going into experiences with whether it's an event or, you know, a show or whatever it is, or calling my provider about a credit card, whatever that is. Obviously right. there's very, very different levels of excitement for the different um, times you're contacting or having those experiences. But I think it just shows that when you can create an elevated experience, then word of mouth goes out there and everyone talks about it. It's exciting. We luckily get to have you on the show, things like that, and share it with other people too. Well, it's a, it is a personal experience because let's say, um, are you gonna, if you have a boring person up there that's just talking about the product, right? Mm -hmm. Unless you're really looking for something very, very specific, you're not gonna remember it. Mm -hmm. But if I incorporate that, let's say I have you think of five of their products, and I can tell you just by looking at you what that product is you're thinking of, mm -hmm. they're going to remember that for a lifetime. That's an emotional experience they're having. And I'm giving that to them. Mm -hmm. And yeah. now that is attached to the company itself. Yeah. Phenomenal. So part of your background is very interesting, right? I was introduced to you from Mike and, um, you know, the whole Project Elf. I watched the documentary fascinating, you know, if you want to talk a little bit about your background and that and how, how you kind of got started. I have a very eclectic background, so if I go off on too many areas, just pull, <laughs> rein me back in because okay. I will do I'll that. I'll you right? with one of those four. There you go. Perfect. Yeah. Good. So um, I was born in England. We came to America. My mom divorced. She went back to England. She took sure. me with her. Um, she remarried. They had two kids. We emigrated to South Africa. My mom abandoned me when I was nine years old with two brothers a year and three years old and an alcoholic stepfather who I never saw except for maybe on Sundays. I left there. I uh, went to Australia to find my biological dad. Uh, that didn't quite work out too well. We moved to the United States. Uh, while I was in high school, I had three jobs just so I could finish high school, and my one sister come stay with me for a while. Um, and um, yeah, so that that was the beginning of my life. It was pretty. I was all over the place. 
But it was while I was in South Africa that I picked up a book by, uh, uh, well, actually, sorry, not, that's not correct. It was while I was in South Africa, there was a gentleman that was coming to South Africa by the name of Yuri Geller. Now, some people may know his name. Yuri Geller was a psychic who claimed he could bend metal objects with his mind. And he said that he was going to get everybody at home to be able to bend metal objects. Uh, he said, all you had to do was get a, a metal object. So I went around the room and I went around the whole house. I finally found a little needle in a sewing set. My mom had left. I thought, surely I could bend this if, if mm -hmm. I could do it. Held it up, concentrated on it. It was Springbok radio, concentrated on it, and I believed it could actually bend. Mm -hmm. Now, it had bent minutely, I thought, yeah. um, but I believed it had bent. And why wouldn't I want that for yeah. my circumstances, right? You know, yeah. being brought up the way that I was. Uh, and, I, and I wanted my brothers to think that I was pretty cool mm -hmm. as well. And then it wasn't until I actually got to Colorado. We moved from uh, South Africa, I mean, sorry, to Australia to Colorado. And it was while I was in Colorado, I picked up a book by James the Amazing Brand. It was called The Truth About Yuri Geller. And the truth, as Randy put it, was that this man, this God who could bend metal objects with his mind, was nothing more than a trickster. And I was upset as I was reading the book because I had believed it was real. I believed I had actually done it as well. And I believed it because all the adults around me had believed it. And they were my authority figures, right? Mm -hmm. And I learned a valuable lesson. Just because a person's in a position of authority doesn't make them an expert. Mm -hmm. So while I was in high school, I started figuring out ways to bend keys, to bend nails, using tricks, to bend silverware. The kids stole all the silverware from the cafeteria. <laughs> I got in trouble for that. Um, they went to plastic. Next call from the principal, I'm yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, they went to plastic. Well, I didn't. I was living on my own at that point okay, so yeah okay. um but uh uh yeah I got, like i said i got exp expelled for a few days for that and then um or suspended i guess you would say and then uh, i figured a way to make the school bell go off early uh so we could get out of school early and i told all the kids i was doing it psychically in reality i was shorting some wires in the hallway um and then i wrote a book to randy said if you ever need a kid to fool scientists into believing this stuff is real i'd be happy to do so and that led into project alpha which i did with mike edwards mm -hmm. yeah yeah. And that's and that's well that's where we convinced scientists for four years we were genuine psychics and they came after four years and explained it was all a hoax. Yeah. Well and maybe we can link to one of those documentaries or something in the sure. podcast notes so that people can go and check it out too to learn a little bit more because it's a it's a long but very fascinating story it, that we probably don't have time to share today. Exactly right. That's yeah. why I stopped at that point yeah. because there's so much with that and there are so many reasons we did it during that period of time. Uh jump forward a few years later. Um Randy was coming to Houston. He said he was writing an article, I think it was Penthouse Magazine, on uh, evangelists. He said, you want to come see this evangelist with me? And you have uh, a question. You're like, well, Penthouse, I don't know. About exactly, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good stories. Uh -huh, yeah. <laughs> All for the articles. So I went with him, and uh, I saw this evangelist, and he was using what he called the Word of God. He was calling out people's names, initials, uh, telling them he could heal them. He was taking people that were blind and making them see. Kids that couldn't walk, he was helping them walk again. And it was very, very emotional. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, uh, I managed to figure out, I'll jump ahead on this, because again, you can look this up online. This is a long, long story in itself, and it's, it's really, really, really interesting in mm -hmm. itself. Um, I managed to find out uh, that he had an earpiece that he was using, and uh, they were getting information about these people ahead of time, and his wife was out in a truck, and she was feeding the information. We took it on The Tonight Show, uh, and we put him out of business. It took mm -hmm. a couple of years to do it. But we managed to do it. He's back on the air now, but he's no longer using the same tricks he used to use. Hmm. Yeah. So do you ever have to worry about him showing up at one of your shows? I don't think so. Okay. Yeah. yeah. He's back to making a lot of money. Okay. Yeah. He's in the, uh, he's, he's changed his market. Um, and uh, a lot of those people don't know about his past. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. And so you've been on The Tonight Show. You've been on Joe Rogan. You've been on a lot of different um, shows. You're on stage six nights a week. Well, we should say that 
part of that is because of something else I do as well. Mm -hmm. I'm in charge of a million dollar foundation where we have a million dollars for any psychic that can demonstrate their abilities on a proper scientific protocol. Mm -hmm. Nobody's been able to do it yet. And I keep looking and I keep looking, but I haven't found somebody. I'm actually in talks right now with a network on doing a million dollar challenge TV show. So we'll see what happens with that. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay, so I should give you my psychic, because, but then I'd be sad if you actually expose them. Yeah, yeah, I know, right? Yeah, I li like once a year, I live my life fire. No, don't say that. <laughs> I'm teasing. I don't live my life fire, okay. but I think I think psychics are uh, they're more for to for entertainment. They probably give some people hope, things like that. But um, I think it's I think fascinating. They do. How I, they I do have a bit of a problem, like especially when it comes to mediums. So a certain yeah. area, I like I I. I don't go after the little mom and pop psychic who believe that yeah. they're real, right? Um, but I do, I do go after a lot of the big ones, especially mm -hmm. the big mediums, because I feel like they're scum. Mm -hmm. I feel they're taking advantage of a person in a very vulnerable moment in their life. Mm -hmm. uh, I, you know, I mean, people say, well, they make people feel good. And you almost said that about the psychics. They make people <laughs> feel good. But you know what? You can give crack to a junkie. It's going to make him feel good. doesn't yeah. mean it's good for him. Yeah. In the medium aspect, it's basically the grieving process is there for a reason. Mm -hmm. You have to go through all those stages. And they put a halt to that. I had a very good friend. Uh, who lost a son at, uh, at 10 years old of mm -hmm. cancer. She had two other kids and she had a husband and she went to a medium and the medium convinced her she could talk to her dead son. And so she stopped mm -hmm. talking to her husband, stopped talking to her kids. That's the living. That's where she's mm -hmm. supposed to be. Yeah. But she was filling that big hole and who can't, you know, can't blame yeah, her for that, sure. right? Yeah. Um, but I can't blame the medium for doing that. She almost lost her husband and her kids as a result, but she came, she came around in the end. Yeah. 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 So you're going to potentially have a show to prove that there's no such thing as psychics. No, that's not. So you're not a psychic for sure. No, I don't have a show to disprove there's no such mm -hmm. thing as psychics. Uh, what I am doing is giving them a chance to prove their abilities. Okay. Big difference. Somebody could actually win the million dollars. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean they're psychic. Somebody could lose the million dollars. Doesn't mean they're not. They're just not sure. that day. My job is to actually go out and try to find a genuine psychic, somebody that can show their abilities under scientific protocol. I cannot say there's no such thing as psychics. What I can say is this. If I sit by the chimney every single year, wait for Santa Claus to come down the chimney all night long and he doesn't come down, eh, more than likely there's no Santa Claus. <laughs> Okay, well, we have to make sure that kids don't listen to this podcast then, right? <laughs> well, I heard that I could say anything I want, so you, I'm hoping they say, don't. You can say anything I'm you hoping they good, don't. You're good, you're good. Yeah. If, if anyone has their kids listening, it's their own fault. We'll just put it that way. Exactly, we'll put it right. Out there. Yeah. So I shouldn't mention the Tooth Fairy or the Easter Bunny. Or you know, I think once one goes down, they all go down. I all think, right. you know, I think once you're like, wait, my parents have been lying to me this whole time. It's just, it's, it's a all problem, out right? Yeah, it's all out yeah. of the bag. Like my kids, once they figured it out, were like, oh my gosh. But it wasn't a heartbreak. They should have been moment. happy because you were doing that for them. It's like you've been going out of your way all these years, giving somebody else. This is the thing I hate about Santa. Yeah. Not that I hate Santa. Don't say that. Yeah, I didn't I say that. Say. But is that Santa, Santa gets the credit for all the best toys. Yeah. Like the biggest best toys yeah. came from Santa, right? Yeah. 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 I mean, my middle kid figured it out when he was pretty young. And then he was a little shit because he would say, oh, I want this Batman glass chess set. And it was like $700. I was like, well, that seems pretty expensive for a gift. Santa has a lot of kids to worry about. He's like, yep. it's Santa. The elves make it. It's no cost. Like it's magic. And I was like, oh, yeah. my gosh. This kid yeah, my daughter said smart. to me, is Santa real? I said, well, as soon as he stops being real, you don't get anything anymore. Yeah. And she says, oh, uh -huh. I see what you're doing. <laughs> it's a game. I get it. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So kind of talking about where you started, where you're at now. 
Like I know you brought some things to kind of share with us, show us some of the non-tricks that you um, can show us or demonstrate in front of us. That non-tricks. <laughs> well, I don't want to have anyone assume you're a prostitute. That's what I might be. It's Vegas. <laughs> might be my night job. You never know. You never yep. know. Yep. Yes. You want me to try something? Is yep. that what you're asking? I'd love for? to see it. All right. So I, like, I'll say, like, when I went to your show, I got this book. You autographed it for my son, who loves magic. Yep. I tried some of these i am not good at them and i was unsuccessful so i still needed more practice so take a look at those two books if you will okay and then when you get done just hand me one back okay they're real books am i supposed to be testing them out you just look at them actually you know out. very famous books yes that's yeah. the reason these are uh, actually just give me one. Oh, just one of them yeah all right, so you kept that one. So we're going to start with this one first okay. of all. I'm going to go through the book like this, and what's going to happen is you're going to say stop anytime. When you say stop, you'll look at the first word at the top of the page. Now, you can see all the words are different, yes? Yep. Page number at the bottom, so I'm going to keep it closed so I don't know what page number you're at. Sure. Just say stop anytime. Stop. Look at the first word at the top of that page. Okay. You happy with it? Yep. Just see it in your mind. See it nice and mm -hmm. big right here. Actually, you'll be seeing it that way. Okay. So see all the letters in your word. Just concentrate mm -hmm. on it. Okay. Think of any letters somewhere in the middle of your word. Okay. Got one? Mm -hmm. I got two like you changed there for a minute. Are you thinking of a T? <laughs> I am. You are. You could have gone with the O, but you didn't, did you? No. Uh -huh. You could have gone with the A, but you didn't. Uh, starts mm -hmm. with a P? Mm-hmm. Potato? Mm-hmm. Is that your yeah, word? Yeah, that's the word. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's try it again. Only let's do it a little bit different this time. Okay. I want you to say stop anytime. Stop. Okay. That's page uh, page 116. Okay. Turn to page 116 in that book. Okay. Don't let me see it. I won't. Can you see any of this in the... No, I'm looking down here. Okay. Look at the first word at the top of that page. Okay. Think of how many letters are in your word. I won't want you to count. Tell me when you're done. Okay. You, ha you have it? Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. When I first think I got five, but you actually counted and it was six. Is that correct? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh -huh. Just look at me. Mm -hmm. you look at, okay, your eyes are going down. It, there's a G in your word? Yes. It's at the end of your word, yeah? Mm-hmm. <sighs> Talk. No, no, it's six letters. Taking? Yes. It is taking. <laughs> yep. All right. I'm going to put that in front of you one more time. <laughs> Just say stop for me. Okay. Stop. Okay. Page 108. Turn to page 108 okay. in that book. Hmm. You're testing my math skills, too, as I'm counting letters this early in the morning. Words. Okay. Look at the first one at the top of that page. Mm -hmm. Tell everybody what it is. Even you? Yeah. Watergate? Watergate. Uh -huh. Before we started, I put a piece of paper over there. Don't tell me. You could have chosen no. any word at all, right? Okay. Take a look and open it up. What does it say? God damn it. <laughs> Watergate. <laughs> So, so on the show, you're going to tell us how you did it, right? No. Oh, come on. <laughs> Why would I Are do there that? other sheets of paper somewhere? There was one sheet out in Ugh. the open the whole time. Okay. If there were other sheets, they would be hidden. And you I wouldn't know. see them. And you'd say, what was this sheet? And why is that sheet in front of me? Falling out of your sleeves. Uh, this might be a little harder to do just because. Uh, here. Uh, let's see. Let's try this. Here, okay. Take one of these. All right, so what's going to happen is you're going to do this, okay? Okay. Gonna try to do, oh, you're going to try, okay? I'm going to try. I mean, I told you I tried your ones camera. in the book. Which camera you want me to do it to? Here we go. Look, the tine right there. Mm-hmm. Here, take my fork. Okay. Just give it a try. Just shake it. Think that it was... And I have to think that I'm bending it. it. Okay. It's like you as a child like back in the... Do it like this. Watch. Watch me. See? Look, look. 
trying so hard. Is nothing happening? I don't have as strong of a mind uh, as you. <laughs> yeah, let's try one more. All right. Okay. So this one's going to be something that's physically impossible to do. I want you okay. to look above my thumb and forefinger mm -hmm. right there. Right? Okay. Watch. And this is the kind of things that that guy I was telling you about was doing. There we go. Starting to twist. Mm -hmm. Try to untwist that. You can't, no matter how hard you try. I I've been working out at the gym. Okay, yeah, that's not gonna work. Yeah. Hold your are hand. Are these up. from that cafeteria? Hold your hand out. These can, these can, <laughs> these are from Denny's. Hold out your hand. Either hand. Uh, let's see how we can do this right here. Uh, you probably want to. Let's use the other hand because okay. the camera's on that side. All right. So that's gonna go there. Close your hand on it. Hold it tight. All right. So this is what I want you to do. I want you to. I'm gonna have to move this mic just a wee bit. Mm -hmm. Let's move. I can get closer too. Let's move the. Coke out of the way. <laughs> All right. So this is what I want you to do. I want you to close your eyes. Okay. And I want you to concentrate on it. Mm -hmm. In a second, you're going to feel something. It's going to be really, really slight. Hardly at all. Almost like a pulsing or pushing. Anything yet? Um, no. I feel the Coke in my palm. Okay, so it's pushing against you, that's what you're saying. Okay, that's good. Hold it, okay, hold it tight. So you can actually feel it pushing against your hand in there. Okay, good. It's gonna become soft like plastic. Hold it tight. I am barely touching that. Can you feel that? Mm -hmm. Keep your eyes closed. Mm -hmm. It's just soft like plastic, yeah? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, I tell you what, let go. Cup your hands out like that. Let's see if we can get this to go straight. Hold it. Melt it with your mind. Ready? So what kind of metal is that? Like I watched Joe. That is a that's a regular fork. If you had forks here, I could do it. It's the same thing. The yep. Joe Rogan show you had said, if I had really fancy metal forks, I wouldn't want to give it to you afterwards. <laughs> this is from Denny's. Yeah, but when I did it for the sign, no, they're not. They're not from Denny's. I bought <laughs> I bought those in bulk. <laughs> but if you go to if you go to um, if you go to any show that I do, I tell people mm. to bring silverware, and I use their silverware during the show. Now here at the Strat, I don't do that. I do a small piece of metal bending with a kid, but that's mm. about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's for real. Yep, you can keep that one. And you can keep, keep those. One. Yeah, if they were special forks, I wouldn't give them to you. It's crazy. So it would cost a fortune. Okay, so you went from thinking you could bend metal and then being feeling feeling like it was a hoax from your mm -hmm. family members or authority figures telling you you could to now actually bending metal. To actually going out and doing it in the laboratory with their silverware, by the way, not trick forks, their yeah. silverware, yes, yeah. in a lab under scientific controls. These are the kind us. of things that we did. Yeah, and you can't tell us any of how you do this. No, I cannot. I mean, I could. Here's the problem with that, right? A lot of people said after the hoax, they said, why don't you teach? Because scientists have lamented for years, there's no evidence of ESP under proper scientific protocol. Sure. 
And it was my contention had nothing to do with that, with that. It had to do with their biases getting in the way. In other words, yeah. they believed that this stuff was real. So they were basically trying to document what they already believed in and not using proper science. And we were able to show that was the case. Also, they had PhDs. They thought they were too smart to be fooled. And that's the problem many people that are educated. They don't realize what they're not educated in. And so they think they're educated in this area. They're really super smart. And they are super smart, a rocket scientist. But even a rocket scientist can be fooled by this stuff. I mean, this was an astrophysicist. This was a physicist that was being fooled by me and Mike back yeah. in the day. Yeah. And not just a physicist. There were psychologists. There were, there were a host of academics that were being basically fooled by us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. So how do you keep things exciting? Because I know your past and your history, right? Like, and you have shows and you, you know, people who come to those shows see these marvelous things. Like, again, I'm trying my hardest not to say tricks. So they see these marvelous things and demonstrations and, <laughs> but like, how do you keep it exciting? Because like you went, I mean, what, one of your most well-known tricks when you buried yourself? Yes, I was right? buried alive. Basically, I get chained, handcuffed, locked in a glass coffin, lowered nine feet in the ground. Men with bulldozers and shovels come in, they fill up the hole, and I have to escape. And I've been asked to do it in 15 minutes. I've been asked to do it in an hour. So I've done both. Yeah. And how do you have like a safety protocol? Like, is there like it's a, a button or is there well, something? It's a dangerous, like no, I don't. It's a dangerous stunt. Uh, usually they can see something's wrong from the outside. Mm -hmm. Either it would be you're not getting out quick enough or, the, or everything collapses. There's been a few people that have tried to emulate me and they've perished. They've failed. Um, if you go to... Uh, uh, if you go online, take a look. It's about a guy by the name of Joe Burris. Joe mm -hmm. Burris did it, and then he put a, this much cement up on top. And um, you just see the whole cement collapse, and he's killed. Sure. So, yeah, it's a dangerous stunt. I've almost been killed twice doing the Buried Alive. But mm -hmm. luckily, I don't panic, and I take precautions. Okay. And so what now, like, or what would you say, is that your favorite stunt you've ever done? Or what is your, what's your favorite? I know you did the knife one with the, ba the bags or envelopes. I, yeah, yep. I don't use bags or envelopes. I, well, I use envelopes. The I envelopes, use envelopes with the knife, yeah. But there's a different version out there. People are using bags. If you see any sure. mentalists working today, they're usually using one or two of my methods. I have multiple books out, nine books, nine award-winning books out um, for the mentalist, the magic community. Sure. And, uh, yeah, you you have to know where to find those, mm -hmm. though. Because so, you've yeah. trained, like, when you said, I think, Chris Angel well, Chris or Angel, a couple of theirs. First three seasons, I wrote most of the magic with him and okay. taught it to him. Uh, David Blaine opened his mm -hmm. second TV special with one of my effects. Copperfields called for consultation. And so, yeah, I've worked with the best guys in the business. And that that's really my forte, or forte depending how you want to say it, is um, creating, thinking outside the box. If you mm -hmm. tell me you want to do something, I can come up with three or four methods. And that's the problem with the scientists. As we were saying earlier, I didn't yeah. finish that sentence. I forgot. I went off mm -hmm. on a tangent. But they would say, why don't you teach the scientists? And I would mm -hmm. be like, uh, simply because I've got three or four ways to do it. If I teach them one method, then they're going to think that that's how it's done. Sure. When somebody else comes along and does it a completely different way, they're going to mm -hmm. think it's real. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So what, out of all of the ones that you've taught or learned or showed everyone to your audiences, what's your favorite? I don't have a favorite. They're all my babies. I, uh, this is a question people always ask me, what's your favorite? And it's been a frustrating question all my life. <laughs> like, no, let me tell you why. Because even when I was a kid, I didn't have a favorite color. And people say, what's your favorite color? Yeah. I don't have one. I don't have favorites. Mm -hmm. I like blue on Tuesdays. I like green on Wednesdays, mm -hmm. you know? So I find it's kind of mood-based. Yeah, yeah. I, and I, it's like music. If you look at all my music, it's so eclectic. It's everywhere from classical to heavy metal and everything in between, right? Mm -hmm. And everything outside of that as well. Yeah. There's some bizarre stuff I listen to, too. Uh, but when I was 
young, I, I decided, okay, I gotta have a favorite color. Oh my god, I gotta have a favorite color. I don't want to stick out because I was shy, you know. I don't want to mm-hmm. stick out, so I said orange. So I bought mm-hmm. orange shoes, orange pants, orange shirt. Mm-hmm. I really stuck out. <laughs> and then I was like, and then I go, this is just fucking stupid. <laughs> like I can't do this, you know. It's uh-huh. like, yeah. So um, yeah, I, I don't. I just don't have favorites, you know. Mm-hmm. Maybe food. Maybe I have a favorite food, prime bread. But that's that's maybe my only favorite in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So orange is not your favorite color. Orange is not my favorite color. Okay. No. And you went from not wanting to stand out and being shy to now being on stage. No, you know, when I was in, like I said, when I was in high school, I had three jobs. I was shy. I was a kid in the back of the classroom with a heavy coat mm-hmm. on in the middle of summer, even afraid the teacher was going to call on me. If she yeah. did, I turned bright red. And I never really had a home. But starting to perform like this, uh, whether it's in a school cafeteria, whether it's um, you know on a big stage, that became my home. I was more comfortable mm-hmm. on stage yeah. than I was in social environments. Sure. People, I don't think of the stage as a social environment for me. It's 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 my home, and and so that was my way of actually finally coming out, finally being able to be myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's very that's a very nice story though too. Yeah, like a yeah. really nice way to think about I, it. Unfortunately, there's a lot of psychology in almost every aspect. Of my, even my name, mm-hmm. Banachek, as you know, I had to show you my ID mm-hmm. because well, I said, made What's you prove name? it to me. Yeah, because I only have one name, Banachek, and it causes me problems. Mm-hmm. I was at the pharmacy yesterday for about three hours trying to get a prescription because they couldn't figure out how to put it. And you put unknown, but then it says, "Oh, it's unknown." It mm-hmm. recognized unknown, but yeah. doesn't recognize NLN, which is no last name, or NFN, yeah. no first name. Well, there's um, only a few of you in the world, right? There was Prince, it was Madonna. There's not many who Teller just have... has one name. Okay. I don't know if I don't know if Madonna on her ID has. I one I have name. not had a chance to check Madonna's ID. I've only had a chance you to check, check yours. Out. You should yeah. check it out next time. Next <laughs> oh, time, next time around. Madonna, with, can you please? Yeah, show next us your time ID. you're out with D, you know, <laughs> just ask us, say, hey, can I see your ID? Yeah. So I don't. We think don't she, run in the same social circles, but we'll we'll. I'm going to try to figure it out. Yeah, you yeah. run in the highest circles, yeah. I know. Oh, I, I, yeah, much higher I've than heard. Madonna. Oh, I've yeah, heard. for sure. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Well, the reason Banachek was taken, again, that's psychological. Um, it was because I did some shows, and they, my name used to be Stephen Shaw, or Steve Shaw, you know, mm-hmm. Steve and I did a corporate gig, and I gave him my introduction, and he said, oh, can I do my own introduction, because I've seen you perform before, I want to talk about it, and a few other things. Yeah. So he gets up there, oh, he's been on Today's Show, he's done CNN Live, he's done this, this, and this. Please welcome Steve, oh, what was the last name again? Couldn't remember my last name. I did a show later that week, and same thing. I'm, uh, I'm there, and I, uh, the guy says he wants to do his own introduction. I said, okay, but the last guy I forgot my name. Oh, no, I got your name, Steve Shaw. No problem. I won't do that. Mm-hmm. He gets up there, does all this stuff about me, and then forgets my whole name. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was the name? Couldn't think of the whole name. Happened to me a third time that week, and I said, boy, why is this happening? you got to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And uh, I realized what it was is Steve and Shaw are such soft syllables, mm-hmm. right? They're such soft syllables that they don't even think about it. And Stephen and, or Steve and Shaw are common names, so they don't mm-hmm. think about it as well. So I wanted something that had a mnemonic, something that these old guys, mm-hmm. the CEOs of the companies would remember, yeah. and the younger guys would have to ask how you pronounce it, and something that had at least two hard syllables in it, so it catches in the brain. And there was a TV show called Banachek, B-A-N-A-C-E-K, it's the Polish spelling of it. Okay. It was an insurance detective played by George Papard, and uh, it was sort of magic-y in a way uh, because it'd be like they would put a statue on a truck, cover it mm-hmm. up. That would be locked up. It would leave from uh, New York. It would get to L.A. And by the time it got to L.A., it had disappeared and the lock hadn't been broken and the truck hadn't been broken into. Where did it go? Mm-hmm. And it turns out, well, somebody had made a statue out of ice. Hmm. and it melted on the way by the mm-hmm. time and they switched it out and sure. it melted by the time it got there. So I like that. 
And it worked. I mean, the old guys remember the TV show Banachek made fun of my name, and that was okay. I was fun mm-hmm. with, you know, I was absolutely fine with that because mm-hmm. I remember the name. But then they remember and attach it to me afterwards. And uh, the younger guys are always like, well, how do you pronounce that? And that was one of the reasons I spelt it the way I did B A N A C H E K instead of C E K. Banachek would have been the other one. They would have mm-hmm. got it wrong. Yeah. And if I put an extra C in there, it would be Banachek but spelt like a check. Mm-hmm. So I knew they would say like bounce a check or something yeah. stupid yeah. like that. And I didn't want that. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's very, I think probably one of the hardest things to probably come up with your own name when it you're is. reinventing yourself later. right? Yeah. Once you have it, you have it. You're mm-hmm. stuck with it. And the Prince story is a little bit different because Prince was getting screwed over by record companies. Sure. And that was a big F you to him to the record, record companies when he said, I'm just going to take a symbol. Hmm. Yeah. Steal that. Yeah. So, yeah. So maybe that that's the next stage is that you'll just become symbol? a symbol. No. No. <laughs> Yes. Well, you're a symbol of excellence, and especially when you're driving experiences for people in your audiences, when I'm sure everyone who's watching the show is going to be wowed and come right down to Vegas to watch your show, because if you can see these couple things that you've done, I was blown away. So was the entire group we were with that just unbelievable we still it still hurts my brain because i want i like to figure things out i'm very analytical but when i can't figure things out it bothers me so i've you tried i've watched you. the videos i'm like how is he he was and i was trying to be concise earlier but when you had two people in a chair i'll explain it more when you had sure. two people in a chair and you had one that you were touching on the shoulder very appropriately yep. and then the other person was in the other wait, chair wait, can i ask you a question how do you not touch somebody appropriately on the shoulder <laughs> I, I, i'm just being very clear because earlier i said I you, you were touching that girl and then i was like well that didn't sound right but um and then she was not being touched and she felt like she, she felt was she felt everything person. i was doing to yes, him yeah yeah and appropriate I've things the, i was doing all, all appropriate things yes. um but i watched back the video and i'm still like blown away and bridget was still you know just she's like the cutest well, ever you. too but yeah thanks I was like, I can't believe it so. i appreciate that yes. thank you yeah so thank you for being on the show well, thanks for having me yeah and is there any last tips or words of advice you'd give anyone that you wish your younger oh. self had other than maybe not listening to authorities all the time yeah uh, you know boundaries always put boundaries. I never had boundaries. And so I got taken advantage of a lot because mm-hmm. um, I would do anything for everybody and I would sacrifice yeah. myself. Have boundaries. Don't always sacrifice yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, just be healthy and take care of people. Take care of your friends. Do things for them, but have boundaries. Take care of you first. Yeah. Well, yeah. thank you so much for being on the show. It's going to be very different from what we usually have. And I think it will be a nice, refreshing change for everyone. I appreciate it. Thank yeah. you. Thanks. Huge shout out to Brittany Kelly and Carly Carolla at FW Rentals in lovely Las Vegas, Nevada for their support in custom logo work. FW Rental provides rental and custom build-out solutions for all of your event and production needs. We love you, Brittany and Carly. Learn more at fwrental.com. That's fwrental.com. And that's our show. CX and Chill is a production of Exo Studios, the creative marketing arm of ExtendOps. With today's host, Stephanie Todd, executive producer, Sean McCreary, producers, David Spear, Clarissa Coronado, and Memo Davalos, editors and videographers, Santiago Aguirre, Alfonso Ramirez, graphic support from Jordan Madrid, and social media guru, Claudia Corona.